Happy Leap Day, everybody. It is February 29th, 2024. And I, when I first saw the story we're going to talk about today, I had a good chuckle at it because the one thing that was most predictable about the story that broke a week or two ago about this call for permanent dialogue with the uh, stonecutters between the Vatican and that organization was that when people pointed out that the law of the church says those who engage even those kind of meetings with them have generally excommunicated themselves automatically, that there'd be some backtracking. And today we have the backtracking. <laughs> so let's dive into this super happy, fun story, because we want to talk about chaos in the church. Nothing like this coming from the Catholic News Agency. Headline, Bishop who participated in Stone Gutter event affirms its incompatibility with Catholicism. I'm going to remind you of something here. It may seem unrelated, but it's absolutely related. According to at least two bishops in the 1980s and 1990s who claim to have read The Third Secret, The Third Secret of Fatima tells us that an apostasy will unfold in the Catholic Church and that that apostasy will be led from the top of the church, that it would mean it was led by a pope and by the Roman Curia. The two cardinals who said that were Cardinals Odi and Chiappi, neither of whom were exactly strident traditionalists by any stretch of the imagination. So remember that. And remember also, as we read this, that we go over this story, every mainstream Catholic news outlet was reporting on this story of this backtracking on this stonecutter issue, almost as if this is what the Vatican wants us to know, that they affirm the church's formal teaching against that organization. That the Vatican had to scramble because they said publicly that the Vatican should engage in permanent dialogue with the stonecutters in defiance of 300 years of church teaching, where literally every pope in that time said no to even dialoguing with the organization. You as a Catholic are not allowed to associate in any way with that organization. And so they backtracked, predictably so. In fact, they backtracked a little slower than I actually originally anticipated. I thought this story would have broken on Monday, but it broke like yesterday or uh, late in the day beforehand. Let's go to the meat of the article, though. Quote, the president of the Pontifical Academy of Theology, Bishop Antonio Stagliano, has reiterated the incompatibility of Catholics belonging to the Stonecutters days after participating in an event organized by the Italian uh, East Big East House in Milan. Stagliano told the Vatican News that, quote, stonecuttery is a heresy that is fundamentally aligned with the Arian heresy, since it was Arius who imagined that Jesus was a great architect of the universe, the way stonecutters refer to God, denying the divinity of Christ. This idea of the architect of the universe is incompatible with the Catholic faith because it is the fruit of human reasoning that tries to imagine a God, while the God of Catholics is the fruit of the very revelation of God in Christ Jesus. In essence, the prelate continued, the Catholic faith is the result of historical events in which God became flesh, drew near to men, spoke to all human beings, and destined them for his salvation. In explaining the total incompatibility between being a Catholic and a stonecutter, Stagliano pointed out that, quote, within stonecuttery, plans involving secret powers develop that are in contradiction with Christian action. In short, he added, when we talk about incompatibility, we are referring to a profound contradiction, end quote. And you know what? That all sounds great. I'm happy that he's saying this. That's really good. It'd be nice. It's actually nice to have that clear of a teaching from the Vatican once in a while. In fact, I'd like that to be how things are always done. But why now? <laughs> 
why, why are this bishop and Cardinal Coco Puffs, Coco Palmiero, singing a different tune from what they were doing just a few days ago? Here's your quick reminder of what they said literally a, just a week or so ago, okay? Because this story has actually changed dramatically in just a few days. So from the National Catholic Register, report, Cardinal calls for permanent dialogue with that group. Following a closed-door meeting in Milan, Cardinal Francesco Coco Palmiero reportedly said he believed, quote, an evolution in mutual understanding had taken place between that group and the church over the past 50 years. <clears throat> Something that hasn't really been emphasized in this and any of the reporting I've seen from any anybody else who might be watching on this, and I don't think I even brought this up, was that he said there was an evolution in mutual understanding over the past 50 years. Isn't it odd how the church's understanding about that organization changed after Vatican II? That's a little weird, isn't it? It's also kind of a strange admission. Because one of the things people don't like about traditional Catholics is that we keep bringing up Vatican II and pointing out that there was a big problem at that council and with the implementation of the council thereafter. That it wasn't just the implementation, but that there were problems at the council and in those council documents. And there's something about that that made this understanding of the church's teaching with this organization change 300 years okay 1731 to five years from now six years from now 300 years basically virtually every pope in that time said no to that organization virtually every single one there's something like 600 condemnations of that organization by popes 600 I have some of Leo the 13th's encyclicals and modu proprios on the matter on this channel. You should go check those out. Uh, he was probably the most prolific writer in the history of the Catholic Church, at least the modern history, was something like 87 papal encyclicals or something. And I think I've got like a third of them at this point recorded. But he took them to task to talk about how the their understanding of the universe and their understanding of everything and their theology, for lack of better understanding of it, is a is utterly incompatible with Catholicism, and that Catholics are barred from any association with that organization. You cannot associate with that organization. This is not merely being uh, being prohibited from joining them. But you're not even supposed to keep their company. Okay, this is how hard the church teaching is on this. So that's why it's an odd admission that this changed over the last 50 years. What happened in the last 50 years that made this change? It was the implementation of a council of chaos, basically, where everything was upended. And now we live in the true implementation of that council, according to Francis. Remember, his main task is to do the job that he was appointed to do by the people who made his papacy possible. And that was to change the church by fully implementing their vision of Vatican II. Full stop. He has admitted this several times. So we'll go into this. This article is actually pretty long, but I'm going to just focus on Bishop Staliano. Again, he's the one who said all those good sounding things just a couple minutes ago that I quoted here. So in that article from the register, we get this quote, Father Suchecki had prepared a knowledgeable report on the church's many pronouncements against the organization. But Cassioli said his contribution was somewhat snubbed by Bishop Staliano's contribution, which appeared intolerant of the reminders of doctrine meaning the uh, Bishop Staliano, who just reminded us of all how great doctrine is on this issue, actually at the in the aftermath of that meeting was against the doctrine, expressed contempt for the doctrine of the church. Okay. 
Although the bishop was scheduled to explain why stone cuttery is irreconcilable with the church, he gave a long speech that tore apart the doctrinal approach on the Catholic side and basically went along with the demands of the stonecutter exponents. Bishop Staliano said he was interested in the Christian event, not the doctrine, and repeated comments he made last month in the newspaper of the Italian Bishops Conference, Avenir, regarding the Vatican's declaration on blessings for persons in irregular unions, fiducia supplicants. He stressed that the Lord is love only and always love. His mercy, he said, precedes original sin and reigns on the just and the unjust, that is, on everyone. Who am I to judge that a human condition is such that reigning God's mercy on the just and the unjust does not even touch it with its moisture? Because sometimes the moisture of the water of God's mercy is enough to regenerate a life. Bishop Staliano's words coincided with B.C.'s complaint that stonecutters should be freely admitted to Holy Communion. One element of the way to overcome irreconcilability with stonecuttery is therefore clear, according to Cassioli, and an ad hoc theology is also being prepared. In fact, he added, Bishop Staliano criticized last November's Vatican ruling, reaffirming the ban on Catholics joining that group, calling it reductive and remaining on the level of doctrinal confrontation. It is noticeable that last November, in new statutes for Bishop Staliano's Pontifical Academy for Theology, Pope Francis controversially underlined the importance of a fundamentally contextual theology, one capable of, quote, reading and interpreting the gospel and the conditions in which men and women live daily in different geographical, social, and cultural environments. Theology, the apostolic letter said, must develop in a culture of dialogue and encounter between different traditions and different disciplines, between different Christian denominations and different religions. It must engage openly with all, believers and non-believers alike. End a lengthy quote. So it was Francis and his encyclical from last November embracing theological relativism that made this meeting possible, along with fiducia supplicants. <laughs> Again, I think I asked this when I reported on the story initially, but the first part of the story about the initial meeting, but who had on their 2024 bingo card that fiducia supplicants was going to open the door to the stonecutters being embraced by the Catholic Church? It doesn't go a long way to explaining it. But then what happened? Why did Bishop Staliano have a sudden 180 degree turn on the issue? In the original article from CNA, it's noted that Staliano actually points out that the stonecutters confuse Christian charity with philanthropy when the two aren't the same at all. In fact, Bishop Staliano goes to a great length to do a really good job in, in this statement of his backing down on it of reiterating what the church teaches. He does a really good job of teaching the issue that's anyone is capable of understanding because he was actually an expert on it. So why the 180? Why did he turn around and back down on it? I suspect we're, we're dealing with a public relations situation here. That's what happened here, that this is a PR nightmare for Rome. The I'm not the only one who said this. In fact, a lot of people pointed this out, that one of the prohibitions about this is that you as a Catholic, if you associate with such organizations, you incur automatic excommunication just by being by by joining that organization. And it looks like there were some other ways of doing that, too, of earning that that punishment. And it does certainly look like those that those bishops may have incurred that by their meeting with them, because that meeting with them illustrated a few things that they were very familiar with the organization more than in an academic way, in an almost intimate way, as if they had spent a lot of time 
with that organization, or even perhaps members of that organization. It's worth, I want to bring you to this because this was published by, uh, by one Peter five, just two days ago by, uh, Tim Flanders. And here he reminds us that the uh, Cardinal Martini, who was the architect of the St. Gallen group, he had an auxiliary bishop in Milan, and that was Francesco Coco Palmiero, one of the one of the heads of this meeting, whom Benedict XVI elevated to the cardinalate a year before he resigned. So Benedict XVI made Cardinal Coco Puffs a cardinal. You may shudder to remember that Cardinal Coco Palmiero from the Capozzi affair, when his secretary was caught in a revolting, well, they were doing a lot of bad stuff, we'll say. Let me zoom in on that so you could see what I'm talking about here. Or another thing, when Coco Palmiro was alleged to have advocated for Mauro Inzoli to be reinstated as a peace priest of notorious McCarrick type. These things are only symptoms of dialogue with the devil that seemed to have been going on for some time in Milan under Cardinal Martini and his organization. The latest scandal about the Vatican and stonecutters was not the first time this happened publicly. On uh, February 16th, Coco Palmero was presenter at a conference organized by, by their houses. It was here that the Benedict-appointed cardinal became the first prelate to ask for a permanent dialogue with that organization, that demonic organization. But under the Francis pontificate, this is not the first time we've seen prelates dance publicly with the devil. In 2016, Cardinal Gianfranco Ravasi wrote what Pe- Edward Penton calls a conciliatory letter to the stonecutters, which has helped to spur on this absurd dialogue between truth and lies. Cardinal Coco Palmero has presented again publicly for them, saying there has been an evolution in mutual understanding between the devil's minions and the Catholic Church. Evolution. When you say the word, it's like magic and it turns black into white and Coke into Pepsi. Try it. Remember when Cardinal Fernandez said the magic word development in order to contradict the ban on blessing of the James Martin types. David Gray, who posited a really hysterical theory about me a few days ago. There are a few things since the 18th century that the magisterium before and after Vatican II has more consistent on than its condemnation of the stonecutters. Thankfully, this is not something that trads and communal Catholics need to disagree about. According to Edward Penton, here's your summary from Edward Penton. In a 1983 declaration approved by Pope St. John Paul II, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger reasserted the church's negative judgment on stonecuttery remained unchanged since stonecutter principles have always been considered irreconcilable with the doctrine of the church and therefore membership in them remains forbidden. The faithful who enroll in, in those such associations are in a state of grave sin and may not receive Holy Communion, Cardinal Ratzinger added. However, neither that declaration nor the 1983 Code of Canon Law imposed the penalty of excommunication on Catholics belonging to the organization, something that had been in force since Clement XII's papal bull. You know, it's worth it's it, it's really interesting that the automatic excommunication was lifted in the net new code of canon law in 1983. That's kind of odd, isn't it? They lifted something that had been going on for 200 years, 260 years or something since that point. Why did they lift that? I know some will suggest that they lifted it because there were the that key prelates were probably members of that organization. That's never been a new thing people have accused the Roman Curia of. That the Italian organizations had actively recruited priests and bishops to their ranks. The permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita is instructive in this. It actually specifically talks about recruiting cardinals and bishops. 
to help them turn the Catholic Church into essentially a secular organization that promotes their values. And the key way of doing that, they said, was twofold. One, of course, recruiting cardinals and bishops who would then elect a pope of their choosing, a man like them in every way, except in one, that he would not be a member of their organization. Because according to that document, if he was a member of that organization, it would be the end of the stonecutters. Never exactly said why it would be the end of them, but because they suspected it would probably bring the whole operation crashing down. Is it bad for to volunteer for the charities for a Catholic? Yes, don't 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 involve be involved in anything that they do, anything. <laughs> Riding the beast, just a thunk. I'm not sure what you mean there, John. Um, Martini and Francis are cut from the same stone block, so to speak. I mean, in many ways, Cardinal Martini was supposed to be the original Pope Francis. That's what he was supposed to be. But then he got news that he had an ailment that he was going to give him limited time. And so his St. Gallen group began looking for an alternative, and that alternative was Bergoglio. And that's how you got Francis. I, it's, to my knowledge, Martini wasn't even around by the time Francis uh, became the alleged Pope. Um, all right, hold on. What, what if Bishop Staliano had a change of heart? Perhaps he saw something at the meeting. I would like to think that I'd love that the, the most charitable interpretation to be the one that's actually true. I would really hope that that's the case. Harmony Gordon asks, not on my bingo card. Nope. Now, you know, nobody expected this as a consequence of fiducia supplicants. Nobody did. Um, <laughs> what does the Bible say about confusion? That it's uh, that God is not the author of confusion, that the confusion comes from the devil. Good morning to flying tigers in the chat. Um, flying tigers, you'll be happy to know I've got a, another video coming tomorrow that patrons and such have access to right now of a subject near and dear to your heart. So keep an eye out for that when that happens. Um, just taking a look through the live chat here. There's... Daniel says, since Popes Clement the 17th and Leo the 13th condemned this group via papal authority, can't this declaration not be reversed by subsequent popes? In theory, it could be reversed, but can you imagine what would happen if a pope actually tried to reverse that? What kind of questions he would get? Now, that having been said, I don't doubt that Francis would have the gall to do it. He's reversed papal writings before. So once you get once the, the hardest one to do is the first one. Anthony Abbott says, I'm early today. Yeah, on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Sundays, I typically go before four. Saturdays go a little later, five o'clock. Um, all right, let's go back to the more recent comments here. Melissa says, thanks, Anthony, enforced by a government program. You're off to confession. Find a traditional priest because a lot of like newer priests are probably like, oh, it's not that big a deal, you know. So go find one who's a little who, who's ironclad on this issue. Better to err on the side of, uh, on the side of being ironclad. Um, what is this about Catholic Charities? Uh, that's an organization. If you ever want to really read up on Catholic Charities, go spend some time on the Lepanto Institute's website. I don't think they're officially a stonecutter affiliate group, but they have their values. Um, let's see. Okay, we got a we got a we got a a very special person here who 
who uh, apparently hates our blessed Lord and does not like religion. So yeah, bye-bye. Um, all right, folks, if there's any final thoughts, please give them to me in the chat now. Uh, changing papal decrees just undermines the magisterium. Right, like that's one of the critiques that wasn't made enough about traditionalist custodis when it was issued. Or fiducia supplicants. I mean, that flies in the face of, too much of magisterial authority. It undermines if if you can if magisterial teachings can be changed, magisterial declarations can be changed on the whim of a sitting pontiff. Then the concept of magisterial authority comes into question because they undermine the authority themselves by making it seem like the truths of the faith can be dictated by time. That what was banned before can now be allowed, which is a weird idea. We saw this with the. Uh, with Francis changing the church's teaching on that uh, ultimate penalty the state can impose, that's undermined church authority too. Calling Father Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> yeah, I, I come up with cutesy nicknames for people who uh, really annoy me in the church. Um, let's see. Sonny Jim, James White, when he debated Horn, brought up changing the magisterium. Trent had no reply. Vatican II, in the spirit of Vatican II, this permanent adjournamento, this permanent season of change in the church, has done a great deal of damage to the credibility of the church. And given adversaries of the church, like James White, a lot to work with to undermine the faith and to get people to leave Catholicism. That's one of the things nobody ever, that either they didn't think about or they didn't care about the implications of that. Take your pick. I'm not sure which it is, but this spirit of ecumenical dialogue that usually only goes one way. It's Catholics ecumenically dialoguing with others, but and us bending over backwards to accommodate them rarely goes the other way. And you see that with uh, James White. It rarely ever works to bring anybody to, to the church. I mean, why? If you're going to loosen up the church's rules on things, why? Why would you? How would that be attractive to people coming into the church when they could just stay where they already are? If dare we hope all men are saved and that Jesus is just a privileged way and Catholicism is just like the ultra privileged path to salvation. Why would, why would you bother <laughs> when Catholicism asks a lot more of you than other, than other, uh, than other like Protestant groups do. What do I suggest you do with the pictures? I don't, um, I would go check out some of the things that uh, father Ripperger has said on the organization he will probably, he because I know he touches on some of that stuff, so I would go check some of his things out. And it's all over YouTube. You can easily find it. Um, I'm not a fan of destroying family photos and things, but uh, just I would do that. I would go and check out what Father Ripper has to say and then um, see if you can contact him or somebody somebody close to him because there's um, some generational things you may be dealing with too that might explain some issues in life. Um, that sounds weird. Father Ripker gets a lot of hate for his talk about generational afflictions and things, but he has demonstrated over and over again that, especially with this group in general, that that is a, seems to be a problem that people have. All right, folks. Yeah, generational spirits, Deanna says yes. All right, folks. As thanks for tuning in today. Remember that uh, to pray for everybody involved in this, uh, Cardinal Coco Palmiero, Cardinal or Bishop Stagliani, Francis the Great and Merciful, you know, the great dialoguer and ecumenical dialoguer himself. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria. <laughs>